This show is sponsored by This Could Be Your Name, the writer of This Could Be Your Book. Contact us to find out more about sponsoring an episode. The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Fancy reading, an adrenaline-fueled, dark BDSM thriller about a man hunting down and restraining his wife to satisfy their dark hunger. If so, you should check out Passion or Prey by Elena Nix. Links can be found in the description. Hello, I'm Jasmine, and you're listening to All the Filthy Details, the Erotica Communities podcast. I'm covering for Dive, but be sure to leave a comment and a review if you'd like me to stay. This is our first episode for 2022, and it's going to be a giant-sized writer's special. So get comfortable. Take notes, because we're going to get through a whole lot of erotica today. Let's give you the rundown of what's happening on today's episode. We've got the next installment of the Infidelity Diaries series. An interview with erotica writer Kristen Lance and TJ Dallas. We also have six, yes, six book reviews. For those wondering how do I get to talk about my book on the podcast, it's simple. All you need is a Twitter account and a keen ear. Listen out for the secret word that will be announced during this episode. Then DM the All the Filthy Details Twitter handle, along with a secret word, to prove you've listened to the podcast. We've got plenty to get through, so let's get started with the next chapter from the Infidelity Diaries. Previously on the Infidelity Diaries... Don't come inside. As my queen commands. His muscular frame hung over me as he rubbed himself back and forth, soiling my breasts with his ejaculation. An adrenaline rush hit me when I realized that my tracking app revealed the words, within one mile. Welcome home, dear. I was just about to prepare your dinner. But the only thing I want for dinner is your sweet pussy. Hey there, sugar. I missed you a lot. Leah, we live on the same street. He likes to have his ass fingered when he's being sucked off. Hi, Olivia. Long time no see. The Infidelity Diaries. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 3. Okay, the reservation is done. Darren announced with a brilliant smile on his face. He hung up his phone and sat next to me on my bed. It wasn't the first time we had met at one of our homes, but it was growing too dangerous. Fortunately, surgery kept Harry busy, and Leah worked as a consultant over an hour away. Perfect. Have you got your alibi figured out yet? 
I questioned, reaching for my glass of wine and taking a long sip. Of course. He replied. His smile showed his perfect teeth. I booked a hotel in the city going in the opposite direction. There is a home design convention Leah thinks I'm attending. I'll book a hotel in a city a little further away, and I'll call to be charged even though I won't arrive. The important thing is to have the invoice, I assured with a flirtatious wink. I'll tell Harry that I needed to seal a deal there, and that's it. Someone is giving up trying to make excuses, eh? He pointed out, sipping from his wine glass. Maybe I misunderstood his comment, or perhaps my unconscious just betrayed me. But I blurted out something I shouldn't have. What if we didn't have to? I mean, what if we got rid of that pair of idiots? We could destroy this facade and forget about hiding and sneaking around. There was a deathly, painful silence. I looked in Darren's direction, and my heart skipped a beat when I recognized his stoic, cold gaze. Olivia, he said with a severity that made me wince. Is this the point where you've had enough? Are the problems going to start now? I kept my composure in spite of his penetrating gaze. Of course not, I was just playing with you. I lied, outlining a faint smile. My skilled right hand traveled down to his crotch, and I moved forward to straddle him. I had to distract him at any cost. Darren fell into my web, and our slow kisses gained strength. We surrendered to the unbridled passion and the safety of these four walls. That cold, brutal look never left his face, but he fucked me like never before. He scooped me off of the floor by my legs, gripping my bottom as I clung to his neck for dear life. Darren lowered me onto his throbbing erection, thrusting in and out of me as I bounced effortlessly. I was powerless against his ferocious pace. Unable to control the speed thanks to his muscled arms holding me at the thighs. Despite my misgivings about his temperament, he still had his wits about him. He pulled out and came on my stomach, even if he did so clumsily. May I? I asked flirtatiously, and he nodded with understanding. I began to kiss his skin with a smile, wiping the remains of cum with my tongue until I reached his half-erect cock. I licked along the shaft, sucking gently on the head. I released him for a second as one of my hands climbed his inner thighs. I'm not ready to lose Leah just yet, you know, I whispered, looking up at him. After all, if it weren't for her, how would I know that you love this? Darren was clearly confused, but I didn't give him time to ask. With my lips pressed on his shaft... I slid toward the base of his cock, enveloping him with absolute pleasure. I couldn't hide how much I loved sucking him off. After the feeling of being fucked helplessly, I was firmly back at the wheel and in total control. Darren relaxed as I felt him grow stiff in my mouth. I slickened two of my fingers with my wetness, 
before thrusting one of them fully into his opening, finger-fucking him while also sucking his dick back into a sturdy erection. I was merciless. The intensity of the orgasm he experienced made it clear to me that I had achieved my goal. He released a cascade of cum that made me choke, though I gladly swallowed every drop. Neither of us mentioned anything about it when we were finished. It wasn't necessary. Stunned and speechless, Darren could barely mutter that he was going to take a shower next door. Triumphant, I stayed to enjoy my glass of wine before getting up to bathe. Vibrations of my phone caught my attention before I left, and I opened the message. My brow furrowed at the unknown number. Bravo, Olivia. What a show. I almost came as well just by watching. You'd make a skilled whore. The message was disconcerting, but what made me gasp was the photo attached to it. It was me wiping Darren clean with my tongue. Who are you? What do you want? I typed right away. My stomach was knotted. I just want you two to keep playing this game. It's entertaining, you know. I'm dying to know what will happen later. An avalanche of photos hit my inbox. Picture after picture of Darren and I. I was preparing a string of insults when another text appeared. Oh, there's something else. Say cheese, Livy. That's when I heard it. A small motor. I looked out the window to see a small drone flying right outside. The light from the camera unit flashed before the unit ascended over the house and out of sight. Desperate, I dialed the number that sent the messages. Next time on The Infidelity Diaries. First, I want to assure you that I wasn't watching you per se. People aren't who you think they are. Just as soon as Faye approached me, Georgina's voice boomed over the crowd. He clambered to pull down his trousers and boxer shorts as I dropped to my knees in front of him. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audience. Links are in the description. One of the perks of joining us on Patreon is you'll get to hear the next episode today. We always keep our investors ahead in the story. You'll also get access to all our audiobooks and exclusive secret podcasts. Extra filth, more on that later. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Next, we're talking to one of the most prolific and hottest writers in erotica at the moment, Kristen Lance. Hello, Kristen. 2021 looked like it was an incredible year for you. With you publishing over 20 titles in the calendar year, most independent erotic writers listening to this could be looking at the position you've put yourself as the place they want to be. What are some of your ambitions for 2022? Are you quite grounded or is it go big or go home? Yeah, if anything, I'd say last year might have been my go big or go home year. Like most people, I was stuck at home a lot, so... I ended up with a lot more time to write and I decided I was just going to push it and see if I could make writing a career. And I'm really happy with my progress and results and really grateful for all of my readers and fans. So 
I'm going to keep on pushing it this year. And um, I have a lot of stories right now that are sitting in Kindle Vela, which is a serial platform, which is only available in the U.S. right now. Um, but a bunch of those are ready to be released on Kindle Unlimited as well. So expect a lot of releases from me in the next couple of months. Our producer D first came across you after an appearance on the Seductive Podcast and bought and read your then new title, Oblivious, straight away. Hopefully a significant number of listeners read your offer in our Erotica Advent Calendar, two for West. But for the listeners who haven't read anything by you at all, how would you describe your style? You know, it's funny that you should ask that because I was trying to come up with a name a few weeks ago for what I write so that I could market it effectively. And I kind of never came up with one, but um, sort of upbeat, fun, funny, romantic erotica. There's a little bit of humor, and sometimes there's a bit of an adventure story. Um, And I just, nothing dark, something that's fun that you can sit down and read and enjoy yourself. And that's about it. But if anybody has an idea for like a super clever name for that, let me know. Having read a few of your books, we seemed to pick up on a few common themes, and we wondered if you put some of your own experiences in your work to make it more authentic. Would we be wrong to assume you have a love for things like snowboarding and skateboarding? Also, we picked up on the snow aspect that seemed to reoccur in the few books we read. Yep, um, I'm a snowboarder, so... uh... I just love to include that little part of who I am in books and it's a fun way to write about the kind of character that I like to write about, which is sort of strong women who are always up for an adventure. Um, And also it inspires my setting a lot. I've lived in mountain resort towns for a lot of years, Um, you know, like towns that are centered around a ski area. So just that dynamic of a small town that's full of sort of quirky, adventurous people who love a good time and the way that they interact with people who come into town for tourism or other reasons um, just creates a lot of fun stories for me. So that's really central to a lot of my books, I guess. We've noticed that you also write interracial masterfully. And as a result, your writing gains depth and realism. Not only do they include characters of other races, but it's done with tact and respect, which is important to us. Was this something you felt compelled to do in your writing? Yeah, thank you. So yeah, including interracial relationships in my stories is a deliberate choice. Sort of a personal choice. Um, I'm white, but my husband is Asian. And really, in romance and erotica, I didn't see a lot of relationships that look like my own. So I sort of set out to show a little more diversity in stories and to make it normalized and not fetishized. Um, And since my stories are just fun and upbeat and funny, I just treat race as a fact of the person's appearance in a sort of straightforward way. And I think it's um, important as a white author to leave stories of racial struggle or injustice or even of cultures of race um, 
to own voices authors, but there's no reason why we can't include a diverse cast in our stories. And also, uh, my husband kind of wants all of the stories to be about him, like he wants to star in them. So if there's ever a hot but quirky Asian guy in one of my stories, there might be a little bit of my husband in that character. You have a winning formula when it comes to writing erotica that sells and keeps your audience engaged until their next fix. But does the writer in you ever feel compelled to write a hefty hardback novel just to have it in your library? So you probably haven't read any of the stories yet, but I've been writing lately in Kindle Vela, which is only available in the U.S. right now, but it's a serial platform. So what that means is the stories come out in a series of episodes and they're pretty long. And because of that, I now do have more of a full-length novel. Um, my most recent release, The Cabin, is kind of a short novel length. And um, I might get it printed so I can put it in my library. I do think it would be fun to have a print copy of my book. And I'm definitely going to try to figure out how to get this one formatted for print. Although I have a secret fear that, you know, there will be a bunch of typos in the final copy, even though I've had it edited, that will be forever captured on print. So I have to get over that, I guess. We've seen firsthand how you are willing to help erotic writers, and we know they hold you in such high regard as do we. Kristen was instrumental in making the Christmas giveaway a huge success. We also know you do a lot of reading. Who should we be looking out for erotica-wise, in your opinion? Oh, that's kind of a hard question. I mean, one thing I hadn't expected as an erotica author um, was how strong the community is. You know, I'm an introvert, and I kind of thought it was, like, too dorky to interact with any of these people. <laughs> I mean, wait, is that bad marketing? Should I forget I said that? Um, but anyway... There's just this super strong community, and it's been really interesting to get to know everybody on Twitter and on other social media, and to kind of help each other to grow and to work together. Um, and that's something that I hadn't expected. So I don't know. There are just so many people who I'd like to name. But one person who comes to mind who I talk to quite a lot is Lacey Cross. And I think the interesting thing about Lacey for me, is that she's a very strong part of the community, but also um, she's really growing as an author. So even her older books are super fun, short, quick reads, but her latest series is called Illicit Desires, um, and it's following characters for a longer time, and you can really see her growth as an author as you see, you know, more character development, you see like more internal conflict with the characters and everything like that. So I think it's fun to read authors like that where you're behind the scenes talking to them about, you know, their struggles as an author and the things that they want to portray. And then you get to um, open up their book and really see how they've grown. And there's so many other authors that I would mention, um, but I just don't know how to pick. What are you working on now? Can we expect a new title soon? Yeah, I have actually quite a few releases coming in late January and February. 
Um, I have 11 ongoing stories on Kindle Vela, um, and those some of those are also available on my Patreon because Vela is not available outside of the U.S. right now. Um, but there will also be a bunch of releases in Kindle Unlimited of parts of those stories as I'm able to do that. And Vela was sort of my play space to try out different genres, so it's kind of all over the map for what's releasing, but the most popular story on there right now, kind of unexpectedly, is an alien story called Human Sexuality. Uh, it's about an alien race that comes to Earth to help with an alien invasion, um, and they get really distracted by sex. Um, so anyway, if you'd like to read it, you can find it on Kindle Vela or on my Patreon, or It'll be releasing in February to Kindle Unlimited. Can we get a preview of something you've been working on? Okay, I've never done anything like this before, so please forgive me if it's awkward. This is for a story called A Kink in the Deal. It's available on Kindle Vela, and it's a collaboration that I'm co-authoring with Lacey Cross and Alec Lake. This episode will probably be live on Vela by the time this podcast releases, um, but it'll also be published later to Kindle Unlimited as a full book. So each of us voice a different character, and my character is named Jeremy, who is interacting with Alec and Lacey's characters, who are a married couple. And I guess I'll just read on and let you see what happens. They were married. There was only one thing to do, and that was to put a stop to things. I think I'll go shower and give you a little time to take care of her, I said. We both glanced at Faith, who had the look of a woman who desperately needed to be taken care of. She had been needy all day, blushing and squirming and gasping at every little touch, even from me. I wasn't sure what Tristan's game was with teasing her, but he likely hadn't planned to be stuck in a cabin with me at the end. Neither of them said a word as I stalked off toward the bathroom and slipped inside, yanking off my clothes and turning on the water. While I was waiting for it to heat, I did the thing that I had been craving so intensely. Closed my eyes and wrapped my hand around my cock. In my imagination, I hadn't done the right thing. I stroked myself, thinking about Faith and Jeremy, about what they were doing in the other room. I'd loved feeling his erection thick against mine as we were kissing, and now... I was sure that he was buried inside her, making her come. I reached over to adjust the shower, intent on drowning out the sounds they were making, but a noise at the door interrupted me, a soft knock. What? I growled. Faith peeked in, her eyes widening as she saw that I was naked. I yelped, moving my hands to cover my erection, which only drew her attention down there. She licked her lips and took a slow breath, stepping all the way through the door, her eyes darting around a little nervously, but always landing back on my poorly covered cock. She was wearing just her panties and bra, a pretty lace black set that barely covered up anything, showing off her smooth skin flushed with arousal. When she lifted her eyes to meet mine, the eye contact seemed to infuse her with a sudden boldness, and she finally spoke. I'm yours to use. What? Certainly, that wasn't the flirtatious comeback she was expecting. But I was having a little trouble processing what was happening. The shower water pounded behind me and hot steam filled the room. Perhaps I hadn't heard her correctly. She cleared her throat. My husband wants to watch me fuck you. Her eyes dropped to my dick, 
and widen as she bit her lower lip. Her lips were a soft, light pink and would look so pretty wrapped around me. My control, my rational side, was slipping away. I dropped my hands and let her see me. Or I might want to join in, Tristan said, coming up behind her. He was shirtless now, and he wrapped his arm around her waist and yanked her against his chest, kissing her neck and making her whimper. What platforms are you active on? How can we follow Christian Lance? Um, I'm on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, like kind of everywhere, I guess, on social media. And I also have a Patreon. Um, and you can find my links at kristinklance.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about my books and about writing and everything like that. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> it's time for us to get started with our first set of book reviews. We have three erotica titles, all very different in nature, for you to listen to, with an excerpt from each before hearing our collective critiques. After that, one of these titles will be getting our star recommendation for this part of the episode. With that being said, Let's jump straight in with our first title, Cross by Ian Snow. He understood. She was embarrassed this was turning her on. The truth was, it was hard not to lose control. Of all the situations he ever expected to be in, taking his boss's wife's ass was not one of them, especially not in front of one of his fellow lieutenants. Devin felt amazing around him. Not too tight, but gripping him loosely. He held her waist, counting down the minutes in his head as he rocked back and forth inside Devon's ass. No time to take it easy on her. They had to move, and they had to move now. But that didn't mean he couldn't make it good for Devon. He leaned down and murmured close to her ear, It's okay. It's okay. It's just you and me here. She nodded hesitantly and reached between her knees to a hand he couldn't remember placing against her sex. Together, they rubbed her clit and her lips as he eased back and forth inside her ass, trying not to go too deep, but almost veering off that edge anyways. Lana kept trying to grind the couch as much as she could as she watched them. Her toes actually curled as her feet bobbed with Sydney's thrusts. He stared at her, every ounce of his contempt written on his face. His attention shot back to Devon when she moaned and started bumping back against his thrusts, pushing him deeper into her. She looked over her shoulder at him, blushing, then dropped her head again. Sydney got it without having to be told. Devon wanted it harder, deeper. He obliged. His hips plunged forward, testing what Devon could take, and she could take a lot. Only when he nearly bottomed out within her did she hold up a hand behind her back, fingers out in an upside-down stop gesture. He eased up just a little bit, and she resumed rocking with him, her dark hair falling across her eyes. Her breaths went jagged, uneven. Sydney strummed her clit, teasing it hard. She rubbed her own folds, minute gasps, uh, 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 escaping her. S- Sydney, come for me, Devon, 
he growled. I am, I am, I'm coming. She did, her head jerking up, her mouth falling open. Her body quaked from her head to her toes, and then she was dropping onto her forearms, quietly gasping again as Sidney picked up his pace. He wasn't far behind, just a couple minutes. Then he let himself go, pulling out of Devon and gripping his cock to come all over her backside. With Sweetie Pie still bound and gagged, he helped Devon to her feet. A trip into the bathroom later and he came back with a warm, wet towel. He cleaned Devon up, and when he was done, he tossed the towel aside and came for Lana. When she was ungagged, she said, Damn shame you didn't come inside her. Cross is a steamy, erotic thriller with suspense qualities that make it feel cinematic. When a hitman's moral compass prevents him from following through on delivering his boss's wife as a sex trafficking pawn to appease a rival gang, they find themselves on the run. The story integrates the two main narratives, primarily surrounding the protagonist's plight to avoid being tracked and killed, and then the couple sent to hunt them down in the name of the crime family. This book is action-packed, brutal as well as sexy. It may be suited to those who don't mind reading books where characters are murdered. His General's Gambit by Sasha Hope Jian Shin shuddered back against the heat of Kai Gang's broad chest. He wouldn't last much longer. The assault on his senses was coming from all sides now. Kai Gang's every thrust hit a perfect place inside of him that sent shocks coursing through his nerves and forced him to rock forward into the fist wrapped around his weeping length. Hot breath tickled his skin as Kai Gang trailed wet, open-mouthed kisses from his shoulder to his jaw before licking the tip of his tongue ever so briefly along the shell of Jian Chin's ear. I want to feel it when you reach your peak, the general whispered. His hips started working faster, pumping at a reckless rhythm. Come for me. Jian Chin could do nothing else. He succumbed to the pleasure as Kai Gang worked him past the point of no return. His body shook, his thighs trembled. His mouth dropped open in a silent cry, his voice caught in his throat. He threw his head back against his general's shoulder as the man buried himself deep one last time. With a single keening sound, Jian Shin came. He reached back and fisted a hand in Kai Gang's hair, holding on to him like a lifeline as pleasure ripped hot and wet through his body. Kai Gang moaned, his heated breath tickling Jian Shin's neck. In one hand, he gripped the royal counselor's hip, pulling him back on his cock as his body tightened in orgasm. Liquid warmth filled Jian Shin as the general twitched and spilled his seed deep inside. Groaning deeply, Kai Gang rocked his hips again thrusting through the slick, frothing mess he'd made a few times before withdrawing his cock. Jian Shin rolled onto his front with a blissful sigh. The throbbing beat of ecstasy flooding his body slowly faded to a sense of perfect tranquility. 
The afterglow was as warm as the embers still burning in the general's hearth. This book is a short gay erotica title about two contrasting characters brought together by common circumstances. Our protagonist is an intelligent, respected, representative of the reigning monarch who finds himself being entrained by one of his generals after a bout of bad weather. After persuading the royal counselor into his quarters to dry off, the powerful, strong general uses this moment as an opportunity to seduce him. Ecstasy Around the World by Gianni Shamari It was Friday night. I was at Dreamhouse, London's hottest nightclub having a great time. I felt like the flyest dude rocking ice blue Tom Ford dress shirt and matching suede espadrilles. The latest rap drums were blaring, drinks were flowing, and sexy women packed to the dance floor. Tonight was extra special because my UK girlfriend, DJ Cokehead Barbie, was not only the special guest DJ at the party, but also doing a live performance for her fans. Barbie was a tall, blonde bombshell with a perfect pair of breasts, tiny waist, and a big booty. I often bragged that she was a 21st century sex symbol with the best body. Barbie sported her diamond-studded Barbie necklace, wore a loose white top that showed the undersides of her cheeky boobs, and matching white shorts that showed her butt cheeks. I knew all the heterosexual men and lesbians in the nightclub enjoyed the view of her luscious body. Barbie was doing her thing on the turntables. She had the skills of legendary New York DJ Kid Capri. Barbie mostly played house, electronic, and hip-hop music, which kept the partygoers dancing. When she finally got on stage and performed Your Love from her Barbie Reloaded album, the crowd went crazy. Everybody shouted, Go Barbie! Go Barbie! I felt proud that the partygoers showered her with so much love. Barbie blew a kiss to me, and I sucked in the atmosphere with a big smile on my pretty brown face. This was my kind of vibe. That was incredible, baby girl, I said to Barbie. What a performance. Thanks, I love performing here, Barbie said as she kissed me. She had the sexiest British accent ever. I'm having the time of my life here. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, I expressed. You're a star, the biggest star in the United Kingdom. The world is yours, my princess. Come on, let us go back to the VIP section, Barbie insisted. At the VIP section, I was lounging with Barbie and her two friends at our reserve table. One was a strawberry blonde-haired beauty named Iva, who had a pretty face, nice dimples, and slim body. She looks nice in her white dress. The other woman was cute, busty brown-haired woman with gray eyes named Yvette. She looks sexy and very curvy in her red dress. All three of them posed together for Goodfellas magazine more than once. Bottles of champagne and other drinks were already sitting on the table. After closing the curtain to the table for privacy, Barbie and the two beauties took a few shots of Patron and sex on the beach. The red berry Ciroc and Jack and Coke had me in a relaxed mood. 
The mixture of vodka and sexual energy had us aroused. The three beauties stared at me with lust in their eyes and sultry smiles. You will never have a dull second with me, babe, Barbie winked at me. Nobody knows how to party like we do in the UK. Yes, I'm into black guys, Iva smiled at me. I especially like the rich, handsome, dark ones. Let's show Nature Boy how we love to treat the sexy black men in the UK, Yvette suggested. All three of them got on their knees. Barbie took my dick in her mouth and performed fellatio on me. Iva and Yvette licked and kissed the side of my dick, which drove me crazy. It was the first time in my life that three women gave me oral pleasure at the same time. I enjoyed every second of them worshipping my dick and balls. It was better than porn. I want to see him come, Iva murmured. I ejaculated and some of the cum went inside a half-full glass of sex on the beach. Without any hesitation, Iva raised the glass and downed it. I could not believe the eroticism she created as the fluids disappeared into her throat. What a performance. Barbie and Yvette cheered and clapped. How was the drink mixed with cum? I asked. Cumlicious, Iva replied. After our demo of kissing and touching, we hit the dance floor and danced. Chris Brown's hot single, She Ain't You, was playing and I grabbed Barbie by her slim waist. We started grinding in the middle of the dance floor. She rested her hands on my ass and swayed with the music. I was full of wild passion and ready to fuck. Ecstasy Around the World reads like the memoirs of an alpha male recollecting his sexual exploits on his travels around the globe. This title blends the classic billionaire trope with interracial elements throughout. Each chapter gives us a new country with a new character or combination of people for our protagonist to bed. We ask a classy sapiosexual to help us critique these titles. Here's what she had to say. Ecstasy around the world. I love a great interracial erotic story. So I was initially over the moon when this landed in my lap, until I started reading it and realized this title wasn't written for the likes of me to enjoy. This is basically one man's conquest with different women around the globe. There are no plot twists, drama, rival, or anything that draws you into reading other than wondering where the protagonist will go next. It's also one of those billionaire type tropes which I despise, and it reads like a series of boasts. This isn't a political attack, but reading this reminded me of Trump being caught in the tape saying things like, you could do anything, grab him by the pussy. This book is one for the men only, in my opinion. His general gambit. I don't know how she did it, but Sasha Hope impressed the hell out of me with this gay short story. We're transported to a different time and different place where the scenery is majestic. The plot isn't anything too complex to speak of, nor is it inspiring enough to spawn imitators, but somehow the mixture of the weight of expectations of these characters and the inevitable build-up just works. I'm not a fan of shorts as a rule, especially if they're not priced correctly, but the way the powerful general seduces and fucks the royal counsellor is enchanting. Cross? 
You don't have to venture past the first quarter of this title to understand that Cross was threatening to be the most entertaining title of this episode, and boy does it deliver. Not only does it boast of having the most mesmerising and substantial plot, but its cast and mini cliffhangers kept this book feeling fresh and exciting, making it a pleasure to read. Despite the strength of the title story and pacing, it does struggle to appeal to erotica lovers across the board. Hypothetically speaking, how many erotica readers desire books about murders or contract killing? Perhaps you're attracted to sex and violence, and if so, a book like Cross would be perfect for you. However, if you're not, you could be turned off by the erotica elements and compelled to discover the ending. We also asked our special guest, Kristen Lance, to help pick this episode's star recommendation. Kristen, you read all three of these titles. What did you think about them? And which would you recommend, if any? My favorite of the three books, I would say, was A General's Gambit. Um, I think it was called. Is that right? Um, so I just thought it was a unique take, um, a unique setting. You don't often see uh, a historical story portraying uh, anything in Asia. So that was cool. And um, the LGBTQ representation in that ancient time, plus also... Um, I really enjoyed the scenes. I thought they were well-written and sexy. Um, for the other books, um, I enjoyed parts of Cross. There were some clever scenes that I thought were fun, like when they got stuck in the boat. Um, but I would say maybe mobsters and stuff just isn't really my style. Nothing against the writing. And um, Ecstasy Around the World, I really don't think I'm the target market, I guess I would say. Um, it seems to be written towards a male market. And as a straight woman, um, I kind of look for more emotion and um, character development. So I thought it was an interesting concept, but would have liked to see more about the characters and more depth there. Versus everybody just being sort of sex objects. But, you know, I know there's a market for that. And I know people enjoy that. So I'm not going to say that nobody would enjoy it. And I guess that's it. Okay, me again. Let's start with a general gambit. It's a 4.1 out of 5. It's picturesque, shows great skill and imagination. The dialogue and descriptions are worthy of any endorsement. But where this book perhaps falls short is in its length, making it arguably a good choice for more money-stringent readers with a book subscription service. Next, we have Cross. It's another 4.1 out of 5 title. Here you get a suspense-driven story with many twists, gut-wrenching moments of sadness, and plenty of sexy scenes. With over 170 pages, it represents excellent value for money. Arguably, where this falls short is its lead genre narrative. To explain what I mean, I think it's fair to say this is a suspenseful thriller with erotic scenes, rather than an erotica title with thrilling drama. It's been said that good erotica is supposed to make you feel something. The issue arises when you're feeling other things because someone is killing a colleague they have a history with or a love interest, or even telling you when they had to kill a child. 
it doesn't always blend with your desires to be turned on by the story. Finally, we have Ecstasy Around the World. It's a 3.6 out of 5. Everything was set up for this title to be our star recommendation. It got so many things right and quite a few things desperately wrong. So let's talk about the positives that the other books couldn't stand up to. It's priced aggressively and represents the best value for money. It has more erotic encounters than the other titles combined and the narrative stays erotic. Where this falls down is its lack of a clear narrative story with conflicts, progression, and even a start, middle, and end. The protagonist, Mare, literally works for nothing. The constant references to the World Wrestling Federation and Ric Flair made me feel like I was reading the Old Boys Club manual to objectify women. It didn't feel sexy to me. But I can see this being a hit with its target audience. I'd like to see Gianni come back or write something more universal, because I believe he's very capable of winning our recommendation, but definitely not with this title. All that being said, this decision is close, but I'm going to award his general's gambit our first star recommendation of the episode. On its own merits, this is a fantastic read that will take you to somewhere most erotica books won't. It's captivating and breathtaking, even within the build-up, setting the table for the main course ahead. The depictions of a duty-bound man to a powerful emperor in a time of horseback travel and torches is magical. The book teeters on being tense and sexy as the general works his way in with the necessary roughness, prying into areas of discretion with a mix of hunger and unintentional clumsiness. There you have it, a very close call. Please remember, links to all titles can be found in the description. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Thank you to the suburban Ute one of our first Patreons on our new shout-out tier. This tier is primarily for those wanting their erotica mentioned along with links on the show. There are only a few spots if you're interested in grabbing yourself one. Let's take a short moment to talk about our Patreon offer. We have some fantastic tiers ranging from the price of a moderately large bar of chocolate to the price of a cup of coffee per month. Not only can you listen to and download our audiobooks, but you can read previous posts, our comic, listen to the Infidelity Diaries, and also get access to our current episode and back catalog of extra filth, The Secret Erotica Podcast. It's uncut, bitchy, and not for the mainstream. Here's a preview of Shh, Extra Filth, exclusively on Patreon. Headphones are recommended. I was seeing this new guy. And we're still on condoms, so that moment was a form of birth control because I need my implant replacing, but things were starting to fizzle out because of him being a bit weird or paranoid. You decide. So his thing is, when he comes in a condom, he goes to the bathroom after and empties the condom into the toilet, so the sperm can't be used again? 
What the fuck Apparently. is that about? He reckons someone he used to see tried to get pregnant using condom sperm. Anyway, this would always lead to a weird bathroom dash with me wanting to pee afterwards and him wanting to take off his condom over the toilet. Ridiculous. So we decided the best course of action was to finish up doggy style and he could pull out, snatch the condom off, and come on my ass, which was going well until Boxing Day when the rubber snapped. Then she streams a clip of T swallowing three ejaculations one after another and says, Ew, I don't know them bitches. Don't link them to me. So where do I start with this bitch? Fuck Natalia. Who the fuck does she think she is to criticize me or T? Everyone that T has made money with has been trustworthy and tested regularly, including herself. And to the best of my knowledge, that wasn't true Eagle of you. Eagle-eyed or newer patrons may be aware of a new tier we've created. This is primarily for erotica authors who'd like to get exposure on our podcast with links to their titles. We have a history of supporting erotica authors, and this way, we're now supporting each other. You're listening to Shh Extra Filth, the secret erotica podcast. I stashed the rest of the drugs into different makeup cases and containers, making sure I filled each with just enough powder, being careful not to overfill. A smile of contentment spread across my face as I calculated the amount of money I could make if I sold all the drugs. Martina was probably somewhere worrying about her missing stash, thinking I was somewhere in the community selling drugs, not knowing I had manipulated Ryan into distributing drugs within the clubs for me. It had taken a lot to convince him to embrace selling narcotics. I should feel bad about selling Martina's stash after seeing what her crew were dealing with in the press, but this lifestyle isn't about empathy. Besides, she isn't the only one who loves a pound note, pulling at her bra clasp to let out her voluminous boobs. After kissing her for a few minutes, I grabbed a fistful of her hair and swiftly pulled her head backwards to give me access to her neck which I placed gentle kisses on. She began to moan. Hearing her in great pleasure aroused me, causing me to softly bite her collarbone. Yet another sound of pleasure escaped her lips, and I could tell her body was ready for me. Her nipples stood erect as I trailed... Shh. Extra Filth gives you behind-the-scenes opinions, views, and stories from the team behind all the filthy details. It's not censored, and it's not for everyone. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> this episode's secret word is available. It's time for us to talk to our second guest, less fake author and winner of our last star recommendation, TJ Dallas. Hello, TJ. We're absolutely thrilled to have you on the show. Every once in a while, we read a title that shows us that the author is a skilled storyteller with a great imagination. The Bartender's Pride for us was one of those titles for us. With a general lack of acknowledgement from the rest of the literal world erotica writers tend to have, how compelled were you to make this series erotica? Thank you. The books were always going to be erotica. It's what I've always written. The sex scenes came first, all puns intended, and the overall plot and storyline actually came afterwards. 
I love writing and reading sex scenes, and I especially enjoy the explicit scenes in romance books between established characters that I've had time to get to know and love. I'll admit I was hoping to blur the line between romance and erotica a little more. Quite a lot of people agree that my books are erotic romance due to the plot, however I've always marketed them as erotica due to the amount of sex scenes. I wanted to make sure that the right type of readers found it. Although I believe I have introduced a few regular romance readers to this more spicier genre, which is amazing. One of the things people wouldn't expect at a glimpse is how deep the rabbit hole goes regarding the number of books you've written about the same set of characters. What motivated you to keep these characters going? Were you inspired by other writers, films, or even your fan base to keep the story going? Or was this always part of the plan? In total, I have written eight books in this universe with this set of characters. Two are due to be released in 2022. So six are linear in a series. So it's the Pride trilogy followed by the Wrath trilogy. And two are standalones. So one is an anthology of bonus scenes and another is a fun create your own um, erotic adventure. When I wrote The Bartender's Pride, I didn't realize quite how much my characters had to say. I'm a pantser rather than a plotter, and the directions of the stories is as much as a surprise to me as everybody else. Although a huge part of the decision to keep writing was from all the incredible love and feedback I received from readers around the world. I know for a fact that the Wrath trilogy wouldn't exist if people hadn't enjoyed the Pride trilogy as much as they did. The heroines of your initial story turn the traditional moral compass of the reader on its head. You have us questioning the virtuous and routing for the sinful in the final throes of the book. Your book borrows heavily on concepts taunt with religious teachings. Was the bartender's pride a critique or a tribute to organized religion? Neither really. Um, I'm not religious, though I have absolutely nothing against those that are. While getting to know my characters in my mind and learning more about them, I just wanted some sexy bad girls. It just so happened that Seven turned up. Pride was the first character I wanted to write, so a confident woman, strong, powerful, charming. And when I realised she was the literal embodiment of Pride, the other six sins came swiftly after. I love the variety of having seven completely different people. It allowed me space to explore different things, from body shapes and sexualities to personalities, kinks and fetishes. Lust was perfect for the more hardcore scenes. Gluttony introduced food play. Sloth is sweet and shy, while greed is young and playful. Plus, the different settings were great fun, so nightclub, gym, casino... The religious aspect of the sins never really came into it much. I just loved the idea of the proverbial evil being the main characters. The Wrath trilogy is admittedly based on religion a bit more, as it follows the three stages of the apocalypse as written in the Bible. Though this came about because I wanted more sinful women, and they just so happened to be the four horsewomen of the apocalypse. The story naturally fell from the release of the horsewomen, from the infamous scroll, the first four seals, and then the rest fell into place from there. So, for example, the breaking of the fifth seal and the release of Wrath, to the woe trumpets, to the seven bowls and Armageddon. Though I won't say too much because that would be a spoiler of book three, The Day of Wrath. A lot of this book is clearly fantasy, but being that the book is based in Scotland, I do have to ask, how much of the bartender's pride, if any, is drawn from reality. For example, 
the coming out story, the husky drawn sledges, or perhaps the childbirth. There are a few bits that are drawn from reality, though more so in book three of the Pride trilogy rather than book one itself. I have visited Abbeymore in the Cairngorms, which is lovely, and you can go dog sledding, though I haven't actually done it. Um, the painting scene between Maddie and Harry in book one was written right after I painted a scout hall as a community volunteer for a day, though what happens in the book didn't happen in real life, of course. Um, I visited the St Giles Cathedral, which is in book three, and the Rosalind Chapel with the carvings of the sins and the virtues is 100% real as well. I suppose the main aspect that has been drawn from reality in book one is Harry's job, because I used to be a nightclub manager, though that nightclub wasn't as awesome as Harry's. From the outside looking in, I would say you have potentially one of the strongest erotica franchises on your hands. Would you ever consider selling it and the rights to a movie or TV studio? Well, that is high praise, thank you so much. I absolutely would consider a TV series or a film. I'm biased, obviously, but it would be a dream come true to see my sinful woman on the big screen. It would be quite amazing as an animation too, like what's been done recently for Arcane, League of Legends on Netflix. That would be really cool. I always have fun trying to determine which actors I'd love to play my characters. There are a few I know for sure, for example, Erica Linder as Harry, Emma Watson as Riley, Eva Green as Madison, and Tatiana Maslany as Bella. Maybe also Catherine Winnick as Althea, although I'm still struggling to nail down who I'd want to play Georgia, Amelia, and Lara. We noticed you'd got quite an extensive reading list. According to your Twitter, is there any erotica authors you think need mentioning we need to keep an eye on? Yes, I love to read lesbic and especially women loving women erotica. I take every opportunity I can when deals come up for free or discounted books. Some of my favourite erotica and or erotic scenes have been written by authors such as Megan O'Brien, Riley Rose, Sinclair Sexsmith, Mistress Black Rose, um, L.L. Rand, Harper Bliss, Ava Morgan and Lexa Luther, plus everybody who contributes to some of the anthologies such as Silk and Leather, Laid Bear, Don't Be Shy, Me and My Boy, and the one I'm currently reading, The Harder She Comes. I've also been beta reading a very hot Greek warrior story by Lara Beneventi too, so keep an eye out for that one for sure. What are you working on now? Can we expect a new title soon? Yep, I've got three books that I'm working on at the moment. One is the Create Your Own Lesbic Erotic Adventure, which is like the Choose Your Own Adventure stories that were popular a few years ago. It's called Welcome to the Cardinal, which is the fictional building in Edinburgh where my books are set. Everyone joked about how much they'd love to visit the Cardinal, so naturally, I like giving people what they want. Plus, I wanted to try something new, and with this book, you can meet different sins and experience the different floors of the Cardinal as though you were a visitor. The book is approximately 53,000 words, and mostly for fun, but that's due to get edited in February of 2022, um, so it shouldn't be too long before it's released afterwards. The second book is book three in the Wrath trilogy, aka book six in the Cardinal series, which is called The Day of Wrath. I've got about 75,000 words of a first draft on that one, so I'm still working away, but it'll definitely be released this year. I've also just started a brand new standalone shapeshifter romance. 
It's in the very early stages at this point, but it will be the first new characters I've written in three years, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Can we get a preview of something you've been working on? Sure, I will do an excerpt from my Create Your Own Lesbic Erotic Adventure, Welcome to the Cardinal. I apologise in advance, I'm not a narrator. Um, I'm nowhere near as good as Scarlet Rose, who narrates my books, but I will certainly give it a try. You sit cross-legged on the soft mat. Your cheeks turn pink when you look around. There are a few people you recognise and a few people you haven't met before. Everyone is drinking and chatting with those closest to them. Althea catches your eye, dressed once more in her glorious pink lingerie, and she winks, putting your mind at ease. The room itself is open and spacious, various sports equipment piled around the edges. There is a mini-fridge in one corner, next to a cardboard box full of basketballs waiting to be inflated. Behind the box is a thick metal pole lying along the full length of the back wall. Looking around, you spy a circular metal fixture in the ceiling that looks suspiciously like a spotlight without a bulb. Ready? Amelia asks, slumping down beside you. She hands you a half pint of beer and you take it gratefully, gulping a few large mouthfuls to steady your nerves. I think so, you reply. Who are they? You point towards the people you haven't met yet and Amelia names each one. You nod, studying the women and committing their names and faces to memory. We ready? Harry claps her hands and you note she has changed out of her see-through white work shirt and into a tight t-shirt. The erratic group of people start coming together, sitting evenly spaced in a wide circle. Althea steps right into the middle of the circle to loud catcalls and whistles from Harry and places a sturdy wooden board down on the mat. The board has truth in large green letters in one corner, dare in red letters in the opposite corner and an ornate glass bottle in the centre, perfectly poised to spin. Bella giggles. I love this game. Keep your knickers on, Georgia says, playfully nudging Bella. Nut. She holds out a bowl of trail mix, which Bella politely declines. A reminder of the rules, Althea says, speaking louder over the comedic and theatrical boos that go up around the room. You suck your lips between your teeth, trying not to laugh. One spin per person. Everyone has one pass. No hard limits and nothing dangerous. Althea takes her place in the circle, filling the last empty space beside Harry. She takes a sip of rosy wine and smacks her lips together. Amelia leans closer to you and whispers, You're new, so you can say no to anything at all as many times as you like. The rest of us know what we're getting into. Harry leans forward on her knees, grinning as she spins the bottle. The bottle is fast, smoothly turning, and when it slows, the crowd go, Ooh, while waiting for it to stop. It lands on Drew. Harry sits back on her heels, looking around the room. Her gaze falls on Lara, eyes twinkling. Do you prefer my fingers or my tongue? Easy, fingers, Lara winks. Harry bows her head. Noted. When she sits back down, Althea picks her cheek and then together they look at Bella, who is next in line. You take another sip of your beer. When Bella spins, the bottle lands on Truth again. She claps her hands playfully, tapping her chin with her finger, unwilling to waste her question. After a few seconds, she points to you. Play nice, Bella, Amelia croons softly. Bella smiles. Of course. Let's see. Have you ever stolen anything? You blush, looking at the floor. A sly nod, and the room erupts with laughter. What was it? Bella asks, her eyes lighting up with excitement. An earring, you mumble quietly. A scaffolding bar with a spike at one end? It was years ago. Bella smirks. Nice. Is your ear still pierced? Georgia puts down her trail mix, chewing as she leans in. You've already had more than one question, Bella, she says, delicately spinning the bottle. My turn. She sits back and swirls a mouthful of red wine. The bottle stops on truth. Harry groans. When are we getting to the dares? She stretches her legs out in front of her, resting back on her elbows. 
Althea. Georgia beams at the sexy blonde. What content was in the last porn film you watched? The gorgeous blonde flicks her hair over one shoulder while she thinks. Everyone waits on tenterhooks, eager to learn the answer. Eventually, she says, a pregnant woman pegging a guy. Half the room grimaces and the other half smirk in approval. Interesting. I might check that one out. Madison leans forward. You catch a delightful view of her cleavage under her low-cut blouse. Harry pumps her fist in the air when the bottle stops, the neck pointing indisputably at Dare. Let's get this party started. Madison looks around, meeting the gaze of every single person. When she gets to you, you start to sweat a little before she points to Amelia. You exhale a heavy breath. How can I help, sexy? Amelia asks, wiggling her eyebrows. She takes a large gulp of cider and wipes her mouth with the back of her hand. A full minute of kissing, with tongues and two fingers. You choke on a mouthful of beer. Amelia chuckles and pats your back until you've cleared the blockage. You all right there? You can only nod. Timer set, Harry calls, looking at her watch. Go. Amelia crawls across the floor to meet Madison head on. She wastes no time in capturing the sexy femme's lips in a deep kiss, their mouths opening. Madison lets out a soft groan and holds Amelia's cheeks while Amelia's hand slips underneath Maddie's skirt. The cute blonde to your left, Riley, squirms. She can't take her eyes away, especially when Maddie groans louder, opening her thighs. You can't see anything X-rated. Both women are fully dressed, but the pink on Madison's chest and the the way her eyes roll back in her head suggests that something very X-rated is going on between her legs. 20 seconds. Amelia picks up the pace, her biceps flexing as she moves faster. Maddie's eyes are closed as she struggles to continue the kiss, but Amelia's eyes are open, watching Maddie hungrily. Both women moan loudly, breathing deeply. Time up. The entire room groans, but none more so than Madison herself. She pants, catching her breath on all fours, grinning when Amelia licks her fingers clean. Without another word, they resume their spots in the circle. Riley is more timid when she reaches in, almost relieved when it lands on truth. Sitting back, she pulls the sleeves of her baggy hoodie over her hands and crosses her arms. My question is for Harry. Harry perks up. Yes, Pep? How many nude selfies do you take a day? Althea chuckles. We'll be here all night. Harry rolls her eyes before she leans back, reaches into the pocket of her jeans, pulls out her phone and starts tapping away on the screen. After a moment, she says, 45. 45! Georgia screeches, looking at Harry in astonishment. You only sent me three. Althea snorts. I'll send you the other 42, don't worry. The entire room laughs again, drinking while Harry returns her phone to her pocket. You are relaxed, enjoying the game, but now it's your turn. Swallowing, you brace yourself before leaning in and spinning the bottle. Dare. Harry cheers. Yes, let's hear it. You blush, the fleeting embarrassment you've been feeling throughout the day rising up your spine, but after you put down the rest of your beer, you lift your chin. What do you do? A. To dare Althea to perform a pole dance, turn to chapter 21. Or B. To dare Harry and Amelia to an arm wrestle, turn to chapter 22. What platforms are you active on? How can we follow TJ Dallas? I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram at TJDallas7, though I also have a website, www.tjdallas.home.blog, a newsletter, and I'm also on Pinterest, Goodreads, and Facebook as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. (laughs) It's time for us to tackle some more book reviews. 
Just as always, we have another three titles for us to present to you. We've read and formed an opinion about. So let's get started with our first title. The Opposite of Schadenfreude by A.N. Onato. Fiona watches the movements grow more frenzied, her own orgasm all but forgotten as she watches the beautiful pair fuck in front of her. Jetta moans and bows her head, and Fiona looks at the wanton desire in her husband's eyes as his hips crush against the woman's arse cheeks. She looks at his flushed, sweat-covered chest. Come on our tits, John. Give him your sexy fucking tits, Jutta. Let him cover them in his spunk. Jutta lifts her head and nods in a daze, John stepping back. An audible, sexy, slurping sound as Fiona hears him pull out. Jutta drops to her knees in front of him, her left hand almost a blur between her legs as she uses the right to squeeze her nipple and angle her chest towards John. John grabs his cock in his left hand and strokes Jutta's face with his right. His hand is no substitute for the wet, tight heat that had claimed him, but it is enough. He begins to come, Fiona watching as the thick white jets of spunk shoot across the air and audibly splash against Jutta's neck and chest. Jutta turns her face towards John's hand and sucks on his thumb as he grunts and another splashes against her. She stops fingering her cunt and grabs his cock, pulling him closer and rubbing him against her hard, protruding nipple, smearing the last droplets of his cum across her tits. She pants and looks up at him, his thumb in her mouth, then slowly the two of them disentangle. Fiona is aware of the ache in her own cunt, and is in such a daze at everything she is just seen to be absolutely certain she hasn't come herself. She is certainly wet and exhausted enough, but her brain is still trying to connect the dots. That is my husband's spunk on her tits. Jutta's beautiful tits have my husband's spunk dripping off them, and it could have been her cunt. A warm ache in her womb made her wonder if she wouldn't have minded that, actually. Jutta steps towards her, but Fiona doesn't know what to do with herself. John stands, watching as Jutta takes her own breasts, one in each hand. Rivlets of shining white semen striped across them and goes down on one knee besides Fiona. She holds her tits, offering them. Fiona looks at her polished, jade eyes, then at her tits, covered in cum. Then Fiona leans and licks the white rivlets, first a little, then harder, cleaning the woman's skin. As she suckles Judda's nipple into her mouth, the woman moans and holds the back of her head, stroking the blonde hair. When Fiona has finished, and there is a sheen of her saliva across Jutta's breasts, Jutta stands and takes Fiona by the hand. She looks John in the eye, her face still flushed. I'm taking your wife to my bed now. Would you like to watch? A couple take a vacation to Berlin to meet with an author they appear to have a neutral admiration for. However, what initially develops into harmless physical engagement threatens to self-destruct or evolve based on a deception, which would see secret old flames reignited. 
you can expect an erotica-heavy title with lengthy sex scenes and terms people may consider vulgar, even for erotica readers. The book also incorporates a piece of fiction supposedly written by one of the book's key characters, which is where this title gets its name. The Office Party by Tiny Sparks At first, I wasn't sure what was happening. In a daze, I leaned forward and inhaled her scent deeply. The aroma of freshly washed pussy with escaping juices was intoxicating. I kneeled and wrapped my arms around her thighs from the outside in. I could just reach her labia with the tips of my fingers and gently parted them. My tongue flicked out to give a tiny lick at her clit. When her breath hitched, I smiled and licked her from opening to clit with the flat of my tongue. That earned me a moan. I kept giving her long, slow laps until she grabbed hold of my head with one hand. She pushed my face into her pussy and I stuck my tongue out, entering her vagina. My nose was pressed up against her clit. Releasing one of her thighs, I snuck a hand next to my head. I squeezed her thigh on the inside, opening her wider. With my thumb, I flicked her clit and she let go of my head. I used the opportunity to move my hands so that I could slide one finger inside of her and started flicking my tongue quickly over her hard nub. She moaned loudly. Don't stop. Oh God, whatever you do, don't stop. She cried out. I flicked my tongue even faster and her legs started shaking uncontrollably. That's when I knew I had her right where I wanted her. She fell back against the desk and I took my sweet time licking her clit. Not fast enough to make her come, but fast enough to keep her on edge. You're such a good girl, but if you don't make me come fast, I'll have to punish you. She said between frustrated, panting breaths. I answered by putting a second finger in her vagina and reaching up with my other hand to squeeze her delicious breast. Her nipple was hard and poked through her shirt and bra right into the palm of my hand. I rubbed it in circles at the same speed I twisted my tongue around her clit. When I finally decided it was time, I increased the speed of everything except for the nipple. That one I pinched none too gently. Her legs squeezed around my ears and she held my head close to her cunt. I was suffocating, but still kept up my pace. Oh, yes, 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 she screamed. Then she let go and fell back limp on the desk with a twitch here and there. Gently, I removed my fingers from her cunt and stopped licking. I sat in the chair, pretty pleased with myself. Things get complicated after things get hot and heavy between Sarah and Grace at a seasonal office party. Feelings of awkwardness and regret kick in as Grace discovers Sarah is actually her new secretary. In a cruel twist of fate, before she could put some distance between themselves and what went down, Grace finds herself dependent on Sarah as they work together to help woo an important client for the firm at a dinner date. As they make progress with a client, things take a turn for the more demanding as ladies go above and beyond to secure this business relationship. Expect lesbian femdom with aspects of BDSM. Indecent exposure 
Therapy by J.C. Parker. What the fuck am I doing? She muttered as she released the door, letting it close on the chair. It felt colder outside of her office with a chill blanketing over her bare back and shoulders. Her arms wrapped around each other as her teeth chattered. She looked left and right, ensuring she was alone before placing one hand over her pussy. Her left leg stepped over her right. The pressure between her legs seemed to swell, making her lower lips ache so much she doubled forward. In doing so, Rana was aware her ass stuck out, in plain view of anyone who might come around the corner. Oh my. Rana uncovered her breasts so she could reach behind and cover her ass. Oh my god, she repeated, using her other hand to make small circular movements over her reddened lips. She thought she might fall to her knees with how weak they became. Don't look at me, please, she whispered, rubbing her ass, feeling the soft cellulite of its curve lift under her finger, only to drop when it was released. She raised her hand, swinging it down to evoke a hard slap. The pain exploded, drawing a loud gasp as she stood up. Her fingers slipped deeper inside, flicking rapidly while her thumb massaged her clit. The chill melted away as her body heated from within. Juices trickled around her hand before falling down her leg. Her fingers made a smacking sound that echoed down the hall. Closing her eyes once more, Rana imagined Christina standing behind her, catching Rana outdoors, naked, with a large, red, self-inflicted welt on her backside. Her respect for her therapist gone. Rana lifted her hand, swinging down harder to give herself a slap. She couldn't silence her cry as her entire core shook. Her hand cramped. Her knees completely gave out. She stumbled forward, leaning her weight into the door to her office, pushing the chair free. Rana's heart froze as she watched the door push the chair back inside. A patient determined to tackle their subconscious trauma talks to their therapist only to awaken something powerful and suppressed in her. This is a story about protected shame desires, and exploring feelings. You can expect a well-written, well-paced title driven to bring you to the boil, similar to the protagonist in the story. Once again, we ask a classy sapiosexual to help us critique these titles. Here's what she had to say. The opposite of Freude. Oh boy, where do I start with this one? Okay, imagine you've just had a fantastic main course at a Michelin star restaurant. You've been anticipating your dessert above anything. And before you know it, it comes and it's the most incredible passion fruit creme brulee with a unique deconstructed core. You've ordered your coffee to complement the dish's arrival. However, when it arrives, the dessert is the size of a dinner plate and garnished with the chef's spit. This sums up the opposite of Freude for me. You're literally reading the most beautifully written English one minute and then you find yourself in a minefield of toxic words like twat, cunt, bollocks, etc. I know enough English people to know that that sort of vocabulary is more fitting to lad culture than the general population. I'd like to think this was an oversight by the author due to their style, writing lengthy scenes requiring multiple synopsis for genitalia, but it clearly wasn't. 
this tells us something more about who this book's intended audience is. Indecent exposure therapy. I could cite many facts to certify my opinion that indecent exposure therapy is the best written title here. The unfamiliar narrative is a work of art. The conversations are vivid because of their realism. It's a shame that most erotic writers care not to innovate like this, in fear of their titles not being validated as erotica. Where I would argue, tooth and nail, this book is purposely erotic. I still can't justify the lack of eroticism on display here. Clearly, this is easy to endorse if it's on its merits as a book alone. A pleasurable read, written beautifully. The office party? Maybe it's me, but sometimes a if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it strategy in life just works. I'm not saying this is a typical erotica title, more than I'm saying this book doesn't take risks that the other two titles took to be great. Tiny takes her time introducing the characters, teases the reader into a frenzy and then complicates them to keep us intrigued. The pacing is perfect, like a recipe for fluffy muffins that no one ever tried to overcomplicate. We asked our special guest and previous star recommendation winning author, TJ Dallas, to help pick the winner of this episode. TJ, you've read all three of these titles. What did you think about them? And which would you recommend, if any? I really enjoyed all three of these books. Um, they were all fantastic in their own way. Um, up first, I read Indecent Exposure Therapy by J.C. Parker. That was a fascinating psychological exploration of exhibitionism. So when 20-year-old Christina admits her fantasies to a therapist, Rana, ranging from wearing a thong for the first time to accidentally being caught naked, her thoughts, feelings and reactions all appear to have stemmed from her controlling and religious parents. As Christina works through her sessions, it seems the revealed fantasies are having a distinct effect on the therapist as well. Great concept, well written, and I loved the psychological aspect. Of the three, this book was definitely sensual, yet there wasn't that much not-safe-for-work action besides the therapist masturbating in her office. I'd have liked a little more erotica, but it was still very enjoyable. The next one was The Opposite of Schadenfreude by A.N. Onatop. I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's a hot FFM bisexual erotica. Um, there were so many filthy and delicious varied sex scenes to enjoy, though it was exceptionally detailed at times and it was a bit slow going and just made it a little harder to read. Um, the book is 366 pages and spans a timescale of three days, so that likely gives an example of how detailed it is. Um, this erotica is definitely more on the crude side. Um, I know some people can be quite averse to cunts, for example, so if that's you, I'd give this one a miss. Though if you do fancy getting a little bit dirtier, then I'd definitely recommend it. I loved the setting, quaint little cafe in Germany, and all three characters had great chemistry. My favourite was Jutta, and the underlying history between them was a lovely twist. I also loved the excerpts of the original Opposite of Schadenfreude that Jutta wrote, and that added in a nice extra element, which was great. John and Fiona were very sweet too. This was my first book by this author, but I'd love to read another. And up last, um, but my by no means least, The Office Party by Tiny Sparks. Um, very sensual escapades between a dominant ice queen boss, Grace, and her secretary, Sarah. 
Between hot demands from an elite couple in the back room of a restaurant to a threesome with the owner of a sex shop, there's lots to like in a short space of time. Well written, deliciously vivid, fast paced, and everything from oral on a desk to strap on play to getting fingered in an Uber. There's something for everyone in this delightful lesbian quickie. Of the three books, I think it was really hard to decide. Um, I think my favourite would be The Office Party by Tiny Sparks. Um, Just by a very small amount, but I I really, really enjoyed that one. Final thoughts and breakdown time. The opposite of Schadenfreude, four out of five. This was a brilliant but problematic read worthy of praise and criticism in equal measure. The first thing worth mentioning, it's a difficult read. Not because of mistakes or errors, but because of the questionable word choices. From mixing German with English to using questionable names for body parts. The pace of this title is also questionable, as the reader finds themselves locked in what seems like never-ending back-to-back sex scenes. You think there's a moment of respite when the characters attempt to sleep or do some work, only to discover... You're back to discreet blowjobs under the work counter. The English and wordplay are mostly beautiful, but I'm afraid to say this isn't enough. In its favor, it displays sophistication with its unbridled naughtiness. To an extent, none of these episodes' books seem to capture. At moments, you also find yourself emphasizing with characters as they display their insecurities, which is a tribute to the author's ability to give characters depth. A special author with an overwritten title. The Office Party gets a 4.2 out of 5. Tiny Sparks knows how to keep things interesting and the audience engaged and it totally works. It's light and thoroughly in the comfort zone of most erotica readers. Where the main criticism lies at Tiny's door is a lack of skill compared to the other writers, which manifests in repeated sentence starters when in the first person. You know, the whole I problem. Fortunately, as a rule, erotica doesn't really see itself that seriously, although some feel strongly that perhaps it should. The scenarios are sexy, the pacing is spot on, and even though Tiny might have been outwritten skill-wise, but performance-wise, she stands out above the crowd. These chapters are pretty short, and personally, I would like to see the characters a little more fleshed out. Indecent Exposure Therapy is a 4 out of 5. A couple of us got into a debate over this title, especially as one person claimed this title should win the award, but then someone threw us an analogy that turned us sideways. And it was this. Should a cheese board have the ability to win a dessert competition? We had to figure out between ourselves if something works as being erotic on one level, is it enough to endorse it? In the end, I believe this is where this book fell short. The buildup is engaging and sexy to a certain extent, but could I expect this story to work for 90% of our audience? I honestly think it would work for about 50%, which is problematic. However, it is an amazingly entertaining read. So to conclude, The Office Party by Tiny Sparks secures our star recommendation. It's a well-balanced read with inviting chapters that serve to keep the reader engaged on their conclusion. Granted, 
These aren't the most in-depth, flashed-out characters of all the books we've read in this episode, but what's here is more than enough to keep the most passionate erotic reader entertained, up until she releases a sequel. Once again, we'd like to thank everyone who submitted their titles to help make this episode and would like to encourage you to check out their titles. You'll find the links in the description. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to join us on Patreon for the Shh Extra Filth podcast. Kat is going to share her opinion, and we're revealing an additional naughty interview with Kristen Lance. We're now on Patreon. Our offer is fantastic. You'll get access to all our literary lovesick audiobooks for a price that is comparable to a single ebook. You can end your subscription at any time, and you'll still be able to keep your books. We also have more exclusive content, and even the option to put your character in our books. Head over there now and get your first glimpse of the newest title in Season 2 of the Erotic Diary series, Transitions.